This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. This is Houston Huddleston from New Starship, and I'm restoring the Enterprise D bridge, and you're listening to Trek FM. T. Earl Grey, hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Darren Moser, sitting in the center chair this week. I'm joined by my co-host, Commander Daniel Prue, who's sitting to my right. D- Daniel, you're you're kind of you're staring at my chair rather intently. D- did you want to sit down? Listen, I just, I, you know, I'm thinking maybe there's, a, you know, this situation is tense. There's a lot going on. Maybe you need to go somewhere else, and I, and I'll just take over this part, and and you can have the other part, and it'll be great, and and then I'll be captain. Oh, oh okay. Uh, well, I'm also joined by Lieutenant Junior Grade Philip Gilfus, who's down in the battle bridge. Uh, it's a little cramped down there, isn't it? Philip. Okay, we're going to cut out the first five minutes because that's not really not important, and they really just need to see the climax. Oh, oh, hi, Darren. Yeah, I'm just I'm just spooling in the tape um, for our last mission um, in case we pick up any officers. I want them to be able to to see what happened in the past thirty minutes, but it'd take about you know forty five seconds. I'm really not good at editing because I know that's usually your job, but I think I'm I'm gonna I'm you know there's probably gonna be some musical intro, right? That's how you do it. So I, I think I think it'll work out. Oh yeah, you start with the musical intro and then. You know, it, it has to start with the Starfleet Academy symbol and says, you know, this following presentation is brought to bring you up to speed. Right. right. And uh, it, the hardest part is getting Tristan to say previously on Earl Grey Battle Bridge. Previously on the Enterprise D. Well, as you can guess, we're going to be talking about a unique feature of the <laughs> 1701D saucer separation. So is this. Okay, guys, just first first impression. Is this a gimmick or is this a space vessel necessity, Daniel? That, uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, you know, I don't – I've never seen it as a gimmick um, only because it's really used very sparingly, right? Like, you know, I'm, and, I'm, and we'll get into the episodes that it's used in, but like three or four, you know, if you want to cut the movies, five times max that we actually see this this happen. We do – of course, we see it in the first episode, which – I guess kind of establishes it maybe as an important thing, but then they kind of forget about it. They'll bring it up occasionally and as an option, but they never really do it. And I don't know if it's, they don't do it because it's like budgetary or, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's complicated or whatever, but I never see it as a gimmick. On the other hand, uh, I, and I get the logic of it, you know, it would make sense for these things to happen. Uh, it's a cool feature, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of split fifty fifty on it. I'm I you know I've watched this this series, uh, you know, a dozen times over, and and it's not anything that I think is is wonderful or or terrible. It's just it's there. It's it's part of it's you know it's ingrained in the one seven zero one D, and I I appreciate it when it's used well. You know, <laughs> best of both worlds. Um, and um, you know, and uh, at the other times, it's just there. It's it's just a feature. You know, and so uh, you know, I guess I don't know. I'm maybe you shouldn't call on me first because I'm, 
I'm really kind of neutral on the whole thing. Well, that's okay. You can you can be neutral uh, on this point. So, Philip, what do you think? Is this you know an integral part to Starfleet design, or does Utopia Planitia need to go back to the drawing board? Now, remember, it's that futuristic like acrylic panel drawing board. So that that's pretty cool. Well, isn't it Ben Cisco who's at Utopia Planitia building these things? So really, we can just blame him. Okay, let's just not even talk about the ships that Cisco designed. <laughs> like. he, was, he was in pain, okay? There was, he acted out his pain through art. Um, well, I think, I think it's a great premise, and I think there's a lot more they could have done. But, I mean, I agree with Daniel in that they didn't use it. So I don't really think it's a gimmick, but I also don't think they ever used it correctly. Um, except hmm. maybe once, maybe the first time. Um, but, but... And I don't, know, I don't want to take up the whole time because I'll just talk about the whole episode here. But the premise is, um, at least to me, you know, TNG, we're introducing this concept of families, right? On board the Enterprise, you have your your spouse, your children, whatever. Because, you know, this is a continuing mission, not a five-year mission. So Whatever. You know, we could be out here... For- yeah, we could, we could be out here for decades, right? And so it's not like we're just going to leave our family at home and see them again in five years. Um, and so, yeah, okay, we visit well, a starbase probably every other week, <laughs> right? And we have a, a Philip. We're not the suit. hood. We're not going to be out here for decades. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> There's centuries, even. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, because the concept, at least to me, is is that okay? We have these children and and families and whatever. So when we go to something dangerous, we separate the saucers so that they're safe and the battle section which is called that for a reason um can then go do its thing but we never really saw that i mean and again I'm, i won't go into all the uses right now because we'll talk about the episodes i know but to me it was kind of a good concept used sparingly and actually i wish it was used more honestly well, we're going to go through a lot of the uses or proposed and attempted uses of the saucer separation. So first off, there's the tactical function. Like you said, Philip, it's the battle bridge. I mean, it's called the battle, you know, the the battle section. Uh, I mean, sometimes it has been referred to as, you know, the star drive section, which I'm like, I never hear them say star drive like any other time when they're talking about anything else. But and usually it's it's said very dramatically. The star drive section only? <laughs> what? Like they left half the ship? Where is it? Uh, the other half will come on Tuesday. Could it be in a pocket dimension? I don't even know. You left space dock without a saucer? So, okay. So it, it's first used, uh, as you know, Daniel preluded to, in Encounter at Farpoint, the pilot. You know, we get this awesome, pretty much all the filming of 90% of the footage that we would ever see of the saucer separation was shot for this pilot. Uh, And we get some pretty cool shots. I mean, you get looking over kind of towards the bow of it and you see the detail of the, you know, the, the battle bridge, you see the underside, you know, with all the docking latch holes and, you know, it's a pretty cool dramatic way i mean it's not like they took a model and put it really really far away put a little vaseline on the lens and just you know broke it in two in like a one frame cut you know it's it's a drawn out sequence uh but it was actually used for a tactical function it was okay let's shove everyone you know (laughs) on (laughs) teddy bears i think it's evacuate i don't think it was like people pushing (laughs) Okay, I've looked at the tech of the, the schematics of the Enterprise D. Okay, there is like one corridor <laughs> and like maybe two turbo lift accesses between the two sections. So really, if you're f- taking all non-essential personnel 
from the star drive section onto the saucer, that's going to take some time. I'm just And saying. I have to be worried that when you do that, you have to hand pump it closed. I would think there'd have to be something <laughs> automated instead because that seems really labor intensive during an emergency. If only yeah. we had some sort of system that could instantly transport people from one location <laughs> to another, it might make the situation a little easier. That's and true. To, <laughs> to, to your point, Darren, I did want to mention, um, it, is, it is tactically very interesting in uh, Encounter at Farpoint um, that we do get a nice... 15 to 20 minute sequence of the <laughs> of the, uh, the saucer section separating. It's a really good thing that we didn't have an all powerful entity chasing our crew down at warp 9.6. So we had the leisurely time we needed <laughs> to have that separation sequence. I'm just saying and it's then, a very uh, good thing. Of course, this was pre iPod. So what they did is they, they hit their cassette tape, pressed play to allow the music, because that's actually how the same button as the separation, because you have to let the theme play. While the saucer is separating, so <laughs> on repeat. <laughs> now I, I don't know about you, but I, I've seen Apollo thirteen many times, and when they're docking things, it is pretty harrowing, and that's like two tiny spacecraft. So, uh, yeah, we'll get to the logistics of mating two ginormous pieces of a starship together, but but I think we can all agree though that Encounter at Farpoint does use it for its intended tactical function, like. You know, and and even Worf has said in other times, you know, when, uh, you know the when the Enterprise is shed of its bulk, which apparently is all of the start, you know, the saucer, you know, it becomes a formidable, you know, it could turn faster. It looks ugly as heck, but you know, that's that's another point. But and and you can take that from Worf because he was very unhappy to command the saucer section in that in encounter at Farpoint. So right, Klingon does not. Well, it's because he wouldn't have fit inside the battle bridge. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's, yeah, it but was it's probably like, a disappointing command form because in encounter at Farpoint there was like four people in the saucer. So, <laughs> but that's the one thing about that's like like it it can turn faster. Like we're in space, people. Why can it turn faster when it yeah. doesn't have the saucer section? This makes zero sense. Okay, so so that moves us from you know the first tactical use to the second tactical use, which was attempted. So heart of glory, like Worf says, as he's giving the friendly Federation <laughs> tour. Of all the tactical systems of the flagship of the Federation to two Klingons we just happened to beat. Uh, yeah, you know, well, okay, I mean, at least he wasn't like head of security or anything like that. You know, just that would just be unforgivable. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, the, the, they didn't get very far, but that was the Klingons plan was to take and, Somehow separating the ship and stealing like half of it. I don't know. It wasn't a very good plan. I mean, the the best part of their plan was escaping their cell. But uh, but this was, again, the second time it's been mentioned as an attempt, but it wasn't obviously carried out. Well, I think that those Klingons were good at constructing things, you know, making weapons out of Nikes or whatever. Um, but they really couldn't <laughs> and, take, and- tear something apart like a saucer. So, you know. Well, no, I mean, obviously they were inspired by the saucer separation because their feet were modular. You know, their <laughs> shoes, they could just take things apart and make new weapons out of them. So they were very inspired by it. That They just, in the end, they couldn't just pull through with their plan. 
I mean, was their plan to take the saucer section and maybe like dock it onto the front of a bird of prey or something? You know, make some crazy hybrid? Well, here's my favorite part. So they're going to separate the saucer, yes, and go really full impulse and get away for about a minute well, while the battle I think section their is plan at war. was to take the star drive section. <laughs> Because I think they were trying to get to the battle bridge. Philip, is really full impulse beyond <laughs> full impulse? Well, you know when I you're on know. Star Trek <laughs> Online and you press control and up and you go really fast? Yeah. Gives you that little yeah. boost. And, you know, heaven forbid the initial dampeners are off because otherwise your entire crew is plastered against that back wall. So let, let, can we just talk? Um, well, I don't know if that you want to talk about the technical stuff, but the uh, impulse drive? Yeah, go Impulse for it. drive, you know, the, the saucer only has impulse engines. It's because I'm going to look at my model while I'm talking. Yes, it has the main yep, impulse the engines back. for the Starship on the saucer, and then I guess there's sort of the secondary impulse engines on the star drive. Or no, no, I, or maybe I messed that up. And, I think it's, well, I know that they didn't um, ignite and a.k.a. turn on the light uh, for a while, and they used only the, the center one for the majority of like the first season or yeah, so I think I, and it was only later that they used the uh the ones on the saucer yeah, i think i flipped that so um, but but anyway so but the saucer much like shuttles theoretically um can only go impulse um and the star drive can go warp which which doesn't see it seems like a poor design right i feel like the saucer should be able to go warp yeah. Well, well, we'll get to that when we get to other starships okay. that use uh, saucer separation technology. But, you know, but it's a, it's a good point. And it's even used in other times when, you know, they drop out of like, I mean, even in Encounter at Farpoint when they separate and then <laughs> it's like, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I'm no, I didn't go to Zephyrin Cochran High School, but I'm pretty sure when you separate a starship and take the warp field away with the star drive section that your saucer is not going to coast back into normal space, but be obliterated. Uh, that's just my theory. I, I'm just saying. And then how's it going to find you again uh, within, you know, a year? Yeah. It's like, well, okay, you guys come find us because obviously we cannot come and find you. Actually, I will say this, and I may ruffle some feathers perhaps, um, one of the very few th- sequences in Into Darkness that I really liked was when the Vengeance came upon the Enterprise and literally knocked it out of the warp field. Oh, yeah. Like, that, literally that was cool. pushed yeah. it through the warp field. And that's kind of how like, I feel. If you think you're like, safe, it's like... I mean, maybe I don't like everything about that, but I do like the fact that it like literally just shoved them away from what, the warp bubble that they had created and... It was more like a tunnel in that sequence, but that's okay. Anyways, my point is like if the if the saucer were to separate, I feel like it would have that same kind of effect where it would just leave that mm. general area. It, it would, would instantly leave drop out of subspace and then just fall out of just subspace. Maybe it wouldn't explode or, or you know whatever. Apparently anything. not, because that's what they did. So. <laughs> right, access your theoretical well, guys. Right. <laughs> but that's what I would feel like would happen, like especially in in encounter and and when when they're at warp, I just feel like the saucer would just kind of go and just like yeah. fall way behind instantly, and that would make sense to me. But it's like, no, nah, this is well, really work. Well, Darren, you, you bring up part of glory. I mean, to me, that was one thing they also didn't show very much the battle bridge because I mean, to me, whenever people want to take over the Enterprise D, if they can't do it from the bridge, then their second thing is always good at engineering. And I'm like, they forget about the battle bridge. I mean, that pretty much should be another way to take over the ship. But you never really see that done very much. 
Yeah. Well, it's true. And I mean, like you said, it's the secondary bridge. I mean, everything is routed there. I I mean, and although I guess technically, I can't remember. I'll have to look at my plans again. Is there a secondary bridge in the saucer? Like in the middle? Or am I thinking of the original series one? I think that's I what think I'm so. thinking of. But. My my question is, it, you know, in TNG, we we have the battle bridge in the first and last episodes, and a couple of times between. Did, I assume they didn't destroy the set. Why, why didn't they use it more often? Right? Maybe they redressed it. I don't. I think they did for a few. It might have been bridges. a swing set, like you know, only it, like they keep all the pieces, but they only put it together when they really need it. Um, yeah. Because they, or maybe they kept it around for season one. Because it's used, you know. Because well, they used it for other ships. Because then it wasn't like, and then this is off the top of my head, like a... Uh, t- t- uh, true. Effect. It was redressed. Wasn't the Bozeman Bridge? Yeah. I think it might have been. It kind of looked like it. Uh, I mean, they added a couple of red rails and the uniforms are different, but I think you're right. I think it was a redress of the Battle Bridge set. Just added a Frasier. Just had one Frasier, <laughs> yeah. And his captain's couch. Uh, okay, so that was the second time, you know, tactically it was attempted. Now, moving on to the Arsenal of Freedom, one of the best <laughs> uses of this, uh, you know, this tactic. You know, Lieutenant Young, impetuous, you know, Lieutenant Junior Grade, Jordy LaForge, donning his red uniform, takes command of the Star Drive section. And, uh, you know, basically, again, it's the whole rinse and repeat. Well, it's se- send, you know the saucer back and you know we'll they'll go and be safe and we'll go back and fight the invisible enemy that'll probably kill us well i do love the the running gag that we've established by arsenal of freedom that whoever gets command of the saucer kind of goes like do 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 it's like <laughs> they're kind of uh, yeah like <laughs> i'm in command of the saucer wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah lieutenant commander engineer Blah blah gets it, but uh, and I also love that the blah blah yeah, blah. Yes. And I also love that the other reoccurring trope that we developed by Arsenal of Freedom is that at the end of the episode, whenever the both halves of the ship come together, Picard's like, "I'm not putting it together." Yeah, so, I believe this ship was intact when I gave it to you, Mister LaForge. So I love like Riker encounter at Farpoint, and then Geordi at Arsenal of Freedom. Yeah. Like Picard, I think secretly Picard doesn't know how to do it. And he, I don't think he does. <laughs> I don't think he does. He's like, I'm, I'm the captain. I don't have to do anything. I just order everyone else to do it. Look, if I knew how to put something on top of something else, I'd have a toupee. Oh. <laughs> hey, Battlebridge oh. toupee. That seems like a good name for an episode. What do you I think about s- Arsenal of Freedom, Daniel? I, I will say, not. Yeah, I'm not a. I'm not a feather ruffler or anything. <laughs> but I will say that. Uh, they use this very significant, very important, very uh, instrumental effect of, of separating the ship to progress a very character-driven story in this episode. This is yeah. this whole thing is all about Jordy and, and, and him learning how to command. And maybe to some people that's not very TNG, but I got to say it's a really great story <laughs> in this episode I'm, about how he he comes to grips with, you know, exactly where he needs to be. And even and again, I I mentioned this before on the podcast, but but we get a really uh progressive later season Troy in this episode. We get Troy being Troy, the Troy she should have been the whole time in this episode yeah. and uh, I think being you know it's counselor. just a 
Yeah, counseling. (laughs) Counseling, exactly. And it's a super solid episode all the way around. I mean, uh, you know, I I think it's kind of a forgotten gem, frankly, in in the TNG library. Yeah, and and to me, it always, and and it's it's one of these things that's hard to remember, even though I'm doing a rewatch now, because, you know, once you get to the end, you just think that's how it always was. But, like, I assume the, the crew was always as big as it was. Like, and I don't know the number of... Like a thousand Yeah, people. like 10,070 or whatever it was. Yeah, because I know in, um, oh, Lordy, the Warp Bubble episode, Remember Me, that's when they start saying. Yeah. But anyway, so like assuming... The, Pretty sure it was like just over a thousand. Yeah, assuming the ship was always that big, or the crew was always that big, um, you know, there there really should be a lot of, a lot of, well, a lot of people in the saucer section anyway. Because you know, a lot of the engineering section is. It does seem the majority would be in the saucer. Like that's where most of the crew quarters are. Like science labs. Like there's actually not a lot of volume in the uh, in the star drive because you have the warp core and all that takes up a ton of space. You have the main deflector takes up a ton of space on the front. You have two spaces for computer cores that take up a ton of space, and also the rear torpedo launcher. So. You know, antimatter storage, you know, all this. There's actually not that you have shuttle bays in the neck. So it it actually has way less volume. Now, one thing this this brings to mind, Daniel, is is there a battle citation ops? <laughs> of course there is. Absolutely. Of course there is. As soon as you as soon as you begin saucer separation sequence. Um, Livingston is actually, I would say ejected, but that's not the right word, but he's immediately sent through a series of two behind into the, the internet. Yeah. <laughs> he is the internet of fish. Um, no, but he is sent, you know, directly to the bridge ready room we get to see one time, I believe, um, in encounter at Farpoint when Picard is editing right. the video for Riker to see, <laughs> um, He's sitting there, so no. There's, you know, there, there definitely is, uh, you know, a cetacean ops that we don't get to see, but it's, it's definitely there. Maybe sure. that's where the dolphins are that that uh, Jordy was going to show the Ferengi. <laughs> well, I mean, there are ten phaser banks on the uh, star drive section compared to the saucer section two. So, yeah, if there's a battle cetacean ops, I bet you they're just manning the phasers. That's that's their job. They they push the special button with their bottle nose and hope they hit their target. <laughs> Me! I will say one thing. I, <laughs> I am I'm glad we brought up the phasers because, like, we're told that the star. Uh, I'm sorry, not the star drive. The battle section is much more powerful, which makes sense because right, it has the this has the, warp the nacelles drive and the and, warp drive, right? Yeah. But the one thing I always thought was like, and they only do this occasionally when they fire phasers. But like when they have you know the ring around phaser the saucer array. that kind of yeah the phaser yeah. ray that brings the phasers around i always felt like that was building power so like it was like yeah you know you like start it started from the on back. the edge and then yeah. like wherever they met is when it shot where it shot off from right right which was a cool effect super cool effect and i always felt like it was it must be like at least 70 percent less effective if you don't have the saucer section because you're missing all of it. and i don't know that that's true i don't i mean you know it, i think theoretically, it was less with power more with like it's building because it's getting into its firing area like yeah. i mean if you're shooting from one of the, like the little ones like back near the nacelle you know it's going to shoot more rapid because it Take, doesn't take as long for the energy to get from the ends to the firing. Well, points. also you have more. Um, what, what's I'm probably gonna use the wrong word. Firing points. In other words, like maybe it's less power yeah. on the on the battle section, but there's like ten of them at one time. You can yeah. do. It's like top. Like there's like five on the top, 
and five on the bottom. So it's like no matter where you are, you're pretty much, you know, going to be hit by a phaser. That's why I just want to see like one shot. Could they just given us one shot of like every phaser on the Enterprise shooting off at once? Oh, that would fire everything. (laughs) I I mean, they did come close in (laughs) Q-Who maybe. That's what I want to say. I didn't show all of them, but I think they did show more of them in Q-Who. All Q things? Is yeah. that what you're saying? I don't well, know. Q and episodes. I think Best the of Board. Girls, they do fire a lot. Uh, and yeah, in they do. Um, they do. Nemesis, they do do that awesome, like, zero degree, you know, where they shoot, like, a whole bunch of little phasers, like, forward, forward, side, 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 back, back, yeah. you know, and try to find, uh, trying to find the ship, but. And in, in best of both worlds, we get like the we get this the those phaser cannons that are more like the Enterprise J.J. Abrams phaser cannons that we are not used to. That's like, right. That, that we that's don't our next, get to That's see. our next point. Best oh, okay, of both I'm sorry. No, no, you, good transition. <laughs> so yeah, the uh, antimatter uh, charges yeah. mm-hmm. that they fire, uh, otherwise known as fireworks, but uh, <laughs> in Star Trek they're called yeah. antimatter charges. Uh, but yeah, but that again is, I think we would all agree that that is the, the culmination of the tactical use is fighting the Borg as, which basically it's not even about bulk or anything. It's like two ships shooting at you instead of one. Although they are right next to each other as opposed to like opposite <laughs> sides of the cube. Uh, but that's a tactics problem, not a problem of the separation. Just design. ignore this big hulking saucer as I knew you would. Should we move it away, sir? Nah, just put it right next to him. I want to be able to look out the window and see them. <laughs> but I loved how they launched the crucial shuttle from not the saucer that apparently we know is going to be ignored, which has, you know, the main shuttle bay housing 90% of our shuttles. No, we launched it from the let's fire everything, you know, star drive section that the Borg is paying strict attention to. And rant. We, we do get the amazing shot, though, and I believe it's the first time you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. The amazing shot of the shuttle bay leaving the Enterprise, right? And like, like that was always exciting with the with the away yeah. team with the away team A team of, dun, 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 of dun. Data and uh, Warp. <laughs> I love it when a plan comes together. Captain Riker, why are you smoking a yeah. cigar on the bridge? <laughs> no, I remember that shot. Like you, you're looking out the window, and they're like leaving in three, two, one, and then you, yep. you know, it, you see, and then you see the giant nacelle, which I know it's the same model, but it feels ginormous in that shot. It's uh, only a model, and and yeah, and then it's only a model. It is only a model, but yeah. So best of both worlds, great use of well, this. Uh, I mean, I, I, it is cool. Okay, effective use. Well, effective use. <laughs> this is this is well, this is my okay, thing. Uh, it happened. Well, this is my thing. Okay, again, what's and again? It, it was a, a, a Riker. You know, it, it it was a necessary tactic based. You know, the whole Picard, Shelby, blah blah blah, Lacutus. But like again, what is the use of the saucer? We put. We don't want to say women and children. It's sexist. But the spouse, the civilians and children, is in the saucer. So what are you going to use? What are we going to do with them? Use them as the primary attack vehicle. No, no. They're supposed to be away from the battle, not charging straight towards the board cube. It was like, leave no witnesses. Attack! Well, uh, I mean, in that episode, in yeah. that circumstance, I don't feel like they separated them like that. I think it was just... I agree. It was j- just using the saucer section as a different ship. I don't think yeah. they were like... You know, no, send it was everybody in a tactical function. You yeah. know, not an escape, but also to to just be another target. I mean, they, 
maybe yes. that that rationale because every time I hear this line, to me, I mean, I get it, but doesn't to me, it's not a powerful line that I think it should be. And I think what we're talking about now makes it more powerful when Picard's like, you know, I remember a former first officer of mine using some rather, um, I forget his exact wording, you know, like uh, yeah, unorthodox, unorthodox tactics. And I think like you know, maybe this is what he's talking yeah. about. So. Yeah. Although, okay, we want to talk design flaws. I'm okay. I got to talk about this. So on the top of the battle section, you got this phaser in the front. Nice big phaser. I get it. You want to be able to shoot. But can we not remember that this phaser is butted up literally against probably deck 10, <laughs> maybe deck 9? So heaven forbid we accidentally, I mean, there better be some super secure interlocks to make sure you don't accidentally fire the one phaser that's literally in the heart of the saucer for 90% of the time that it's flying around. I'm just saying, I, I don't think that's the best design plan right there. I'm, I'm just going to say that. But, okay, so moving on to from the tactical function of the saucer separation to the emergency escape this was another you know use of this uh, although it wasn't used very often it was attempted and proposed several times so in the neutral zone as uh you know the romulans were barreling down on us it was proposed but again as often Picard would say, he didn't feel it was necessary at the time. I think this, again, is they're trying to transition to, well, we don't actually want to do this a lot now, but we got to talk about it because everybody knows that ship does this. Well, you, you know, it's interesting. I think when we saw Encounter and Arsenal of Freedom, and I mean, I wasn't watching the first season live at the time, but I get the feeling, and maybe I'm just making this up, that people are all like, oh, they're just going to do this forever. You know, it's silly. I right. don't it's yeah, and so they didn't use it like at all until Best of Both Worlds, and and it was almost like maybe we forgot about it, and so because this is the end of you know season three at that point, so it hadn't been done for like a year and a half, and so it's like oh yeah, we can do that, but but all these other episodes are like remember that remember the thing that we could do, guys, you know, make sure to mention it every four episodes so people don't think we've forgotten. Yeah, and that was you know all those mentions are peppered in throughout the season, so. What was your thought, Jandel? Just the same, basically the same, uh, along the same line that you guys were going is, is I'm so glad they didn't do it all the time, but they, when you could have done it a little more. (laughs) Well, yeah, no, no, no. I'm not saying, I'm not saying maybe they didn't do it as much as they should have, but what I'm glad that they did is that they still mention it occasionally enough that it was obviously, it wasn't like a plot hole that you, you know, with a lot of Trek, uh, solutions and 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 techno babble like you think like hey if i can do this one time what's to stop me from doing this all the time and like solving all the problems so it's nice that they brought it up occasionally just to say hey you know what we thought of this too but it's not going to solve the problem or it's not going to in any way help so i and i like that they acknowledge that it's a it's a really nice bit of continuity but again on the other hand uh I'm not upset that it didn't happen more often. It could have, and I would have been fine with it. But I'm, I'm glad that they aired more on the side of caution. I guess I should say. Yeah, because to me, I, I and I don't. This isn't an argument for or against. This is just my my thought. Like what I said again, you know, you have this big galaxy class vessel with you know the whole family thing, and so 
is that a, a priority? I mean, this may be just up to Starship Commander and Captain Picard's like, eh, who cares about kids? They can die for all I care. You know, is it a big priority to, to, to really get them off the battlefield with the saucer separation? Or is it like, eh, I'll accept the risk. You know, if it, things are going really bad, I'll do it. If not, it'll be fine. Because, you know, they just never used it for the express purpose, <laughs> except for the first season. Yeah. Well, and, you know, like, yeah, it, it was proposed in The Child to enact the quarantine, but again, not gone through. Uh, it was attempted in the high ground, again, usually by, you know, the bad guys, like trying to steal half the ship because, you know, no one would notice. Uh, attempted again in Brothers, uh, you know, where, um, again, this was when they were trying to regain control from Data, who had taken over the ship with his awesome super long security code. And so they were trying to separate the ship to maybe regain control of their half but of course data took that function offline again attempted in hollow pursuits to try to you know uh you know to to fix that problem with the uh uh you know that was when the warp you know was going to oh, yeah, explode yeah. because all the the particles so that was like an escape you know method they were all everyone was going to get on the saucer but of course it it, it didn't there i don't think there was time and it, it wasn't functioning we don't have properly. time to talk about saucer separation we don't have the time <laughs> um and also it was you know really well used thematically though in its how it was proposed in disaster where you have a lot of junior officers on the bridge and troy you know uh Trying to decide, well, do we separate and save ourselves in the saucer and let everyone else blow up it, on the uh, it, on the battle? Daniel, section? how's that with your uh, with your, uh, your with your lady? Yeah, let, let's separate and screw those guys. They knew what was coming. <laughs> this could happen at any moment. <laughs> no, you know, I mentioned it before, but I think in both disaster and uh, arsenal of freedom, we we really get two episodes that really focus on drama that could not be done without this sort of feature, right? Like, you know, we get to see, I mean, disaster kind of could have been, but you know, it's an interesting extra layer an extra dynamic that was really like cool and exciting. Like, what do you do in that situation? You don't know what's going on on the other side of the ship. You could the other side of the ship, <laughs> you know, and it's like, it, it gave TNG um, at least two, and and possibly more, like because because we mentioned they bring it up uh, a number of times, but it gave them these interesting stories with which to deal with these characters in in unique ways. Like should we, shouldn't we? How do you deal with it when you when you separate commands? Like I'm glad for that's why I'm saying like I don't know how far that idea could stretch, but I do think that they did the most important and the most interesting and the most unique ways of telling the story through that kind of device. They so, used it as a tool when the story suited it, not like yeah. a gimmick, like, well, let's just have them do this, you know, again. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I've never thought about that way. Basically, do we split our family apart? I mean, it reminds me of, to use a Voyager reference to the journey, um, where in a year of hell, uh, where they have to decide whether or not they're going to leave the ship or not. Yeah, but it was really well used, you know, especially yep. in in later seasons. So, okay, now the third classification of the saucer separation, the landing feature. Uh, this was only used once, uh, <laughs> spectacularly in um, 
Uh, you have a very loose definition of the word landing, I feel like. Darren. Yes. Well, you know, the, the emergency lifeboat, you know, we could maybe land on a on a planet. And I, I heard, though, that when they were designing it, you know, he the actual designer said he, he kind of ran out of time, but he originally was planning on making it so that the saucer could land, like, and take off again. But they didn't get that far, and... Uh, the enterprise paid that price in generations when it crash landed on the planet. But uh, yeah, who here feels that everyone in, you know, these decks on the bottom is pretty much a goner. (laughs) Uh, It's got a compact at least like five decks off the bottom instantly. And the captain's yacht is like scrap. And it's brand Uh, new too. Well, we weren't using that anyways. (laughs) Well, I'm trying to think with the, um, the the Star Trek technical manual, which I know it's across the room, I could just go get it, but I don't I don't know if that came out after the show ended or before. Bec- it I think it was after it ended. Oh, never mind. Like they they thought of it. <laughs> yeah, I think they thought of it during the process. Like it was late in the season that that the series that they actually thought of. Oh, we actually could use this as a lifeboat landing on a planet. Like it wasn't in their number one thought. Yeah, because I remember the there's a. Uh, a saucer separation graphic of the saucer actually landing on the planet. Right. I was like, is that pre-generations? Serpentine or through the, <laughs> through the clouds. Yeah. I think it was pre-generations, but, uh, but it was like late in this, I think it was around the fifth mm-hmm. season that that came out. I don't know why that number sticks in my head, but I'm pretty sure that's when it came out. Cause see, that would have uh, made sense to have like landing struts, like Voyager or whatever to, on the saucer. That is. Oh yeah. <laughs> you could have, you know, well, I don't know where you'd put it. The saucer section is pretty. Maybe you could take out one or two of those extra holodecks you have and put in some landing gear, something we could actually use. But I don't know why. Why? Why would you need landing gear when starships can just hang out underwater? <laughs> oh gosh! Or just transport everyone down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, okay. So moving on to some other starship designs as our last point. Uh, there are two sort. Well, okay. The, there are many ships, I'm sure, that that use this technology. The, the first one that comes to mind is obviously the USS Prometheus from uh, from Star Trek Voyager. Not in the Delta Quadrant, but back here in the Alpha Quadrant with its awesome tactical vector assault mode and blue alert so and many a buttons. little tiny warp nacelle. Yeah, stuck up on top of this. Oh, I don't even can't even say it with a straight face. It doesn't make any sense, but... Uh, so there you go, Daniel. There's your warp nacelle strapped to the top of a. Uh, just why it doesn't make it's not balanced. It doesn't. I don't believe that would hold it in warp. I just, I just don't. Like you don't even notice it until it just little pops up. It's like the size of a shuttle. Like what is that gonna do? It's a transwarp. Oh right, right, right. You're talking. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm because I was the whole time when you're talking about the Prometheus. I instantly just think of four nacelles, but you're talking about the little baby nacelle that yeah, <laughs> pops, the baby nacelle pops that pops out of the third. Yeah, no, I totally section. agree with you. It looks like really ridiculous. And, um, and if you're gonna make the back session split, like don't make it look like you literally took a knife <laughs> and cut straight through the middle. Like put some contour in there. Put some like you know texture like it it split in such a funky way i don't I actually, know i actually i like the prometheus design i i actually like the interiors a lot believe it or not um no the interiors were nice um and and i do like the exterior design you know it, it kind of takes voyager basically took the the, the starfleet design and i feel like re- 
really stretched it, which is kind of what the Enterprise E did as well. But but you know, Voyager did it first, and really like, and and then this is just like a, a natural extension of that, where they just start pulling the sides of the saucer down. So it's no longer really a saucer; it's more of like a pyramid shaped. Yeah. It's more like forward. yeah, it's, it's like a like a triangle. Yeah, just like a yeah. forward it's pyramid a, triangle. It's like conical it's it's very strange but i, I don't i don't hate the design I actually kind of like it uh four nacelles might be compensating for something but on the other hand they do have reasons for it on this ship because obviously like you said it splits into three um but i, I agree that the tiny little nacelle that pops up out at the top and is like and i'll oh, form the nacelle i'm a nacelle too yeah <laughs> and i'll exactly. form the head yeah no. <laughs> Just drop that part out of the fine. If you're gonna if you're gonna have the very important pieces on the top of that, quote unquote saucer section, just have that drop behind, and now you still have two functioning warships at that point. Why why is that such a bad thing? I mean, it's it's kind of ridiculous at that point. Uh, well, you know that that almost leads us to our next point, but I'll get to that in, in one second. The only other ship that I found when researching this topic was supposedly the original Enterprise, Kirk's Enterprise, could separate. But it was more of like a lifeboat, like contingency, like it couldn't be put back together unless you were in a star base or something. Yeah, like all that. the Starfleet's men and all the Starfleet they couldn't put together. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, I couldn't remember the episode. I know Standard Orbit's talked about this, but it was some line where Kirk's like, "Well, we'll drop the nacelles and blah blah blah." And yeah. oh yeah, ejecting the nacelles apparently like a button That's... push away because they talk about that. Well, it's know. a juju button away, but yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so I, I mean, I've heard people say that more ships or almost all ships like have this ability, but it's just never as prominent as the Enterprise D. But I don't know. I feel that's a little retcon. Yeah, I mean, do you think, but, I mean, what, like Voyager obviously is in the Delta Quadrant, except for what we just talked about. I um, mean, Voyager, like, I feel like what's the magic scale? Because obviously Voyager doesn't because it can land. Um but I've even seen schematics with Voyager where it kind of shows like, okay, this is where the saucer, you know, the, the main saucerish part connects. And I don't remember if there was a separation plane in the schematic I saw, but it almost looked like there was. I mean, like, does the Defiant uh, have like a little part of that just shoots out the like little, little bullet? No, that, now you're just being <laughs> ridiculous, Philip. Well, the Defiant is about twice as big as a shuttlecraft, so there's no reason for it to have that, you and the sauce and the separation doesn't even work. Plus, come on. I mean, this only makes sense, guys. It's too powerful to separate because that makes sense I know, as a it's concept. So powerful when it separates. Instead, it just puts more armor on it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but I, I'm wondering why it was never like kept up. I mean, did people just think it was? When I say people, I mean writers, because um, writers are people too. Um, did the writers just think it was stupid, <laughs> like on Deep Space Nine and Voyager and? Well, I mean, Enterprise. You could have done it. I don't know. Theoretically, you could have done an Enterprise, right? Um, or, but it. Maybe that's why they made the Prometheus. They're like, okay, you wanted to see a ship that kind of looks like ours separate. We're going to show you just how ridiculous that looks. Go. Because <laughs> if it's, and I don't keep to, I hate to keep harping on it. I don't know if it's if it's a family thing because you know we kind of dropped having families after TNG and the Enterprise D. Like you know you don't see it on the E and you don't see it necessarily on any of. Of, of the like the Defiant or or Voyager, I mean just by necessity on Voyager, but initially, um, and so like it was like well we don't have families, don't need to worry about the saucer thing because that's really the only reason we had it. Yeah, that that very well could be. Um, I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to say. Okay, we got the schematic up there, and it's like yeah, okay, maybe that's 
Okay, I think I see what I was seeing before. Yeah, I don't think it separates. I was just seeing the contour of the fact that the saucer part doesn't like wrap around the entire top, but it kind of has that neck spine on the back. That I think is what I was seeing. But yeah, I don't know. It it it's you're you're right. It's too small to need to separate. That doesn't even make doesn't yeah. even make sense. But it has two warp cores, so you know the Enterprise D is sense. too big to fail. And that's why we have a saucer separation. <laughs> I like that. Uh, no, but you know, I know it makes sense. Like it does. It it does kind of make sense because like we talked about on our, I think it was our second episode ever was, was about the enterprise and, e. and specifically yeah, the enterprise D and specifically about how large it is, even compared to the later on series when deep space nine and Voyager kind of carried the torch and they never got that big again. And it makes sense if you're going to have the biggest ships that we know of, like you have to have a contingency plan in case something goes awry, right? Like it's like to me, that makes sense. I don't, I don't fault Deep Space Nine or Voyager. You know, obviously those series are very different and they do very different things, but like, you know, Deep Space Nine was a space station and then, and then the Defiant came and it was literally a whole different beast and, May not even been part of Starfleet, <laughs> but it has teeth. <laughs> um, and then, and then Voyager came along and uh, was literally like the size. I think the length of the saucer section, right? I think it, it's roughly. like the it's like a science. Uh, well, it's a science vessel, I right? Mean. So, like you, like exactly. And if we're if we're talking TNG, like if you get on the Pasteur, is that ball? It just You're rolls down. Like, oh, I don't gosh. rolls away. <laughs> it just rolls down the hill. I don't know. <laughs> Roll away. <laughs> I don't think it's going to do that. So like, it makes sense. Like no. this is a feature of the con, the, I mean, they the, were lucky with constitution. their pivoting nacelles, you know, on the, yeah, on no, the, it makes sense to be a feature of the galaxy class starship. Cause it, it does. It does. It, so I don't, I don't like blame the writers. And like I said, like they did interesting things with it in TNG. And even brought it into the movies, and then maybe maybe there's not a whole lot more you can do with that concept. I don't know. I'm not a writer, so I have no idea. No, yeah, it it's an interesting device, and I think it was used an appropriate amount of times in Next Gen. I think, like we've said, you know, it, it you, you saw it in action, you know, used really well, used sort of well, and then mentioned a lot. You know, not like oh, well, we got to separate the saucer at least once a season. Otherwise, we're not getting our money out of that one model we built. It's a with Q it, episode you know. and a saucer separation and a Loxana. Those are the rules, kids. <laughs> and four holodeck episodes. the season's already written. Well, well, in, <laughs> well, in researching it, I guess when they were originally planning to the, the saucer separation portion, it was like a portion of the top of the saucer actually like popped out and it was kind of like in a D shape. Like that was the original concept. And it was much later that he had to, you know, before the pilot obviously, but like they were well into the design of the D when they, they said, Oh no, we want it to, to retain most of the saucer itself. And then the separation plane was moved more like under it, which makes the, you know, the other part look just really weird, but, uh, but it, I don't know. It kind of works. It's Maybe just it's, it was weird just because we didn't see it that much. We never got used to it. Yeah, but you can kind of see where he's going. I mean, the top of the saucer does kind of look, you know, you could tell like maybe the main shuttle bay part or maybe a portion slightly larger than that was the original intended separation part. Then it's kind of like you're taking a a, a small chunk of your ship with you. And I you. assume when you said D-shaped, you didn't mean like the shape of the letter D, which would have been awesome if that was been how it did. No, no, it literally... 
literally shaped like the capital oh letter D. Gosh. Yeah. No, that's what I meant. Yeah. So like probably flat on the back and like curved on the front. Yeah. No. Literally like a giant so, capital D. So does that mean the, not a lowercase would, D, Philip? That doesn't even make sense. It would not have been. It would not have been hollow. However, in the middle. No, that wouldn't have made it. That, that, now you're just talking ridiculous. So does that mean the Enterprise E was like a E when it came out? <laughs> yep. And then the F was just so unbalanced. It just <laughs> with the two to warp nacelles, one in the middle, one on the side. It just spins uh, around in a circle. Yeah. No wonder the Voyager didn't separate. <laughs> but yeah. Well, it's shaped like a V. Hey, here we go. On the on the front. But okay. Well, I, I, I'm actually very surprised at how far we got in this topic on uh, saucer separations. I I didn't think it was very, very deep topic, but uh I liked uh, I liked where we well, went with it. So it's a topic you can break apart. <laughs> and and maybe put back together, but I can't do that. Philip, can you put it back together for me manually? I, just, I don't really want. Are it. you sh- are you sure? Yeah, uh, sure, you to do sure. It? I mean, it's highly risky. No automation. I, mean, I wouldn't even let Data do that with all of his computational skill. But I'm sure you could handle it. I'm not really fully qualified. I just have to say that up front. <laughs> I kind of read the pamphlet at Starfleet <laughs> Academy on that. You know, so you want to separate a saucer. <laughs> <laughs> reasons you might want to consider separating the saucer the Ferengi and it's like a you know highly stereotypical propaganda picture of the Ferengi like ah <laughs> uh, well oh, wait, well it's been a lot of fun talking about the many ways our beloved starship separates and possibly reconnects uh, but it's not the <laughs> only thing we're talking about here on Trek FM here's some shows you may have missed Elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. Star Trek 2009 5th Anniversary. So I wrote a whole big thing about all that stuff. Where's Gary Mitchell? Why are there Romulans? This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and why is Tyler Perry in this movie? Earl Grey. Ferengi. Um, uh, can I have a root beer, please? <laughs> <laughs> They're all examples of Ferengi. Dad. Not being Ferengis, so... Sorry, that was a terrible, terrible... (laughs) Real gray, now with 90% more Ferengi impersonations. (laughs) The Orb. Great O'Brien episodes. You know, obviously, too, I I love the fact that that Miles is not afraid to kind of bend the rules and and do what he thinks is right. The Ready Room. The sound of her voice. It's a masterful portrayal of the working class hero kind of thing that O'Brien is without making me feel, you know, uh, guilty and, and, with, or with, and without coming across as too heavy handed. To the journey! Darkling rewrite. It's that awkward moment when you accidentally call your teacher mom in class. I hate to tell you, but I don't know if I ever did that. Yeah, no, me neither. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Sorry, dude. Warp 5. Locks. I mean, you see that, I think, in, in the way that he cares for his patients and he takes care of them with what we would consider very strange remedies. And yet, he's taking care of the whole person, and I really, really like that. Commentary, Trek stars. The Mount Rushmore of Trek. No, I mean, in all seriousness, like, Chris, every time that you make a joke about Robin Leffler, I myself think, yes, he's right. Oh, wait, he's making a joke. Oh, that's too bad. Because he's right. Continuing mission. Star Trek Horizon. The main reason I wanted to do the movie was to 
closeout storylines that Enterprise didn't get a chance to. It, I felt like it was kind of my contribution to this show that meant a lot to me. Literary Treks. Mission Gamma Twilight. I don't think that Bashir knows how to be in a mature relationship. When Ezri starts exerting her own identity more, he doesn't know how to deal with that. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, the Windows podcast directory for Xbox and Zune, or you can stream them from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for the podcast directory to get all the links. If you'd like to share your thoughts on today's Earl Grey, just go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send a show. That option on the side, choose Earl Grey, and that'll come to all three of us by email. You can also use the tab on the right-hand side of any page to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone. And you can talk to us and other listeners on our forums at trek.fm slash forums. In social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Also, please let us know how we're doing by leaving an iTunes review. That will help other listeners find our show here in 2014. Before we go, I'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor, who helps us bring Earl Grey to you each week. Our sponsor for this week is Audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all the books you've wanted to read but never thought you'd have the time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week, from classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World. Audible has something for everyone. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. And we thank Audible for supporting Earl Grey and Trek FM. And lastly, there are, there's one more way that you can directly help us keeping Earl Grey coming to you each week, and that's by adopting some aliens. Well, illustrations of aliens, anyway. If you can go to trek.fm slash donate, you'll find eight original alien illustrations by Toba Ushi, who does most of the artwork you see on our website. They're available in both badges and art prints, and there are different contribution levels that you can choose from. Just let us know what you would like and in what format. Again, you'll find them at trek.fm slash donate. And your support helps us to pay for the costs of production, hosting, and bandwidth that's needed to bring the show to you each week. So, guys, uh, yeah, it's been really fun, you know, diving into all these episodes. I, I, I hadn't actually realized there are a lot of times that they talk about this, you know, feature. And, you know, it was really cool talking about, you know, our favorite points and episodes with saucer separation it's kind of like the motorhome you know of the enterprise kind of just like hey i'm gonna go take it for a break well the emergency safety motorhome which okay that maybe that doesn't make any sense but so so daniel if someone wanted to argue the finer points of uh of the saucer separation how would they reach you they would reach me on Twitter. That would make the most sense. I am at one of Dan, and that is the number one, not the word. What if they don't want to make sense? How would they reach you then? Well, they could try. Maybe they should try two up Dan at that point. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Well, you'll have to just buy up that domain as well just to make sure you catch it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and Philip, if someone wants to talk more about this battle citation ops you seem so fond of, uh, how, would they, how would they reach uh, you? They can also reach me on Twitter at me, me, me. 
Um, or if they need that translated, they can use the handle NC Public Servant. That's NC like North Carolina. And if someone wants to talk with me about really poor phaser placement in Starship Design, they can reach me on Twitter under Dr. Sci-Fi. That's D-R-S-E-I-F-I. And if they want to talk about other science fiction besides the Enterprise and saucer separating, uh, they can catch my other podcast, which is the Dr. Sci-Fi Show, which is available on iTunes. All right, guys. Well, I, I uh, you know, I actually just boarded the enterprise d and the the first thing they made me choose is where do i want my bunk do i want it on the battle section or the saucer section so i really got to think about this guys because i mean this you know the battle section is where it's at but i kind of like the safety and that sloping window in the saucer so i don't know i'm gonna have to think about this for a while and decide where to put maybe the very front so if we get caught in another baryon sweep i'm like okay for five more minutes, but uh, I don't know. I got to think about this. So I'm going to go uh, fill out this, you know, Scantron 20 questions. Where should you? Oh, wait, did you drop this teddy bear? Uh, Oh, Hey, you found Teddy. Oh my God. I have been looking for him for like 26 years. Oh, I'm sorry. We have to leave him behind. (laughs) Oh, oh, oh. why'd you even show him to me? If, uh, (laughs) if you had to, uh, is, is this an emergency separation of this podcast? It is. <laughs> yeah. Are we gonna roll under some? Barrel I'll close doors, it. You know, <laughs> barrel roll under the doors. <laughs> faster, faster, Philip! The entire ship is gonna. My arms get tired. Oh, let me go to my other one. <laughs> the vacuum of space will soon be on the other side of this bulkhead. Uh, okay. Well, live long and prosper. Make it so. Engage fire.